he started to experience um, various symptoms. Went to the doctor, we had a lot of chewing and throwing with the doctor. Um, and actually looking back, they were all the, the symptoms that you'd associate um, with, with cancer, with bowel cancer, but none of them were particularly taken seriously because he was 40 and fit and healthy on the surface. Um, to cut a long story short, it turns out it was actually bowel cancer. Um, eventually we realized that it had spread, so it had spread past his bowel, it was um, in his lymph nodes, so it was stage three effectively. Um, luckily it hadn't spread further than that. My perspective on life changed completely um, and there were, you know, this, this idea of this, you know, this always time um, completely changed because it really brought clarity to the fact that there's not always time um, and all of these things that you want to do, actually you just need to get on and do them. There's never going to be a perfect moment to, to do whatever it is you want to do. My name's Dr. Gary Crotez, and I'm a coach and author of The Idea Mindset, a book about how to figure out what you want and how to get it. The unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead. When I'm in conversation with my coaching clients, these are the breakthroughs that are so profound that they remember vividly where they were, who they were with, what they were thinking when their unlock moment happened. In this podcast, I'll be meeting and learning about people who have accomplished great things or brought about significant change in their life, and you'll be meeting them with me. We'll be finding out what inspired them, how they got through the hard times, and what they learned along the way that they can share with you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast to hear all about another Unlock Moment. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unlock Moment podcast. Hayley Thomas is the vibrant and dynamic founder of Eleven Loves, an online fashion brand centered around effortless style, feel-good designs, and sustainability. I've known Hayley for a number of years, and we used to work together in the customer team at Mothercare. I love discovering the story of how new brands come into existence and the whole entrepreneur journey. I just know you're going to be inspired by Hayley, and you'll find this a really memorable conversation. Let's get to know Hayley a little better. Despite childhood ambitions to become a fashion designer and a lifelong fascination with entrepreneurship, Hayley's early career took a more traditional route. After studying English at Cambridge, she originally went into corporate banking before gravitating towards the more colourful world of fashion retail. After over 15 years heading up the digital and customer experience strategy for some of the leading UK high street retailers, Hayley established her own brand now known as Eleven Loves. What started as a side hustle has now evolved into a brand stocked by the major high street retailer Next, loved by celebrities and with a growing following on social media. That's 35,000 Instagram followers at the latest count. I love the iconic Oué La Discotheque print, which is designed to make you smile and put a bounce in your step. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Hayley, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to the Unlock Moment. Thank you, Gary. That was um, that was a lovely intro, and thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to have you to have you here. So, start off with telling us a little bit about your story, a bit about your upbringing, maybe, and the journey you've been on to get where you are today. Yeah, sure. So, um, I grew up um, in a town in the Midlands called Corby. Um, 
it was a or still is a, a steel town um grew up in a fairly working class family so my mum worked in hr my dad was a carpenter and fitted windows um went to the local comp um and was fairly quiet I would say I kept my head down to stay out of trouble <laughs> at school um and would probably be termed as a spod um I was was quite academic and quite studious um and it's quite interesting looking back um there were sort of two camps really there was um the academic camp and then if you weren't kind of traditionally academic you were creative and and the two were kind of separated at the time. So I um, can't act, draw, sing or dance. Um, so therefore was not in the creative camp. <laughs> um, but as I say, was was quite academic. And um, looking back, actually, I think I kind of wrote myself off, wrote any creativity off um, at that time because I wasn't in that, that camp of sort of being practically um, creative. Uh, however, I was always creating new things. In hindsight, looking back, um, I was always writing plays and had a big period of kind of writing plays. Um, always kind of had a new idea for a business. And that has been a theme that has kind of carried on throughout my life. I've always got a business plan on the go um, and always got a new new idea. Um, and I loved designing. So while I um, couldn't and still can't draw, um, I loved <laughs> Um, sort of creating outfits so putting together sort of snippings from magazines and fashion was a big part of my family life as well so my mum and my nan um, were very into fashion it was part of the conversation you know we'd, we'd go shopping together it was our hobby it was kind of part of, of what um, binded us together um, as a family particularly the women in the family um, and then I went down the traditional um, sort of traditional education route and went to uni, read English um, at uni and then um, went on to a graduate scheme for a bank, um, which in hindsight probably wasn't the right fit for me. But I think at the time there's a real sense that you need to do, you know, you need to get a proper job um, in, in inverted commas. Um, and when and, you think back, when, mm -hmm. when was the first time do you think you first started thinking about a business you know, when, when you were growing up you know because mm -hmm. some people like they're eight or something and they're thinking about selling sweets out of the back of a van or something and you know and where, where were you in that in that journey as a kind of childhood wannabe entrepreneur do you think um to be honest I can't exactly remember when it started but I can remember the ideas that I came up with along the way so I remember being in a garden center with my parents and that was our kind of Sunday activity you'd go to the garden center um, and they had little, um, those little stone hedgehogs that you sit on the wall. And I remember going away from the garden centre and doing a whole load of research around, you know, how you could create these concrete hedgehogs and how much it would cost to do that. And, you know, could you do it at home? And I found other people wow. who were doing it at home. And so along the way, there have been a, a broad variety of business ideas from concrete hedgehogs to... Um, <laughs> mobility scooters um really? and um, it, it tends to sort of link link to something I, I'm going through at the time so mm. um my nan found herself in a wheelchair and so I was thinking gosh it's you know it's, it's very difficult to get the right equipment there must be a big market for this so I did a lot of research on that um we got into um sort of refurbishing a property and so from that sprung another business around um interior design and um and sort of refurbished furniture so there's always a business idea on the go and it 
I don't know where it came from, to be honest. I The first couple of years of my life, my parents ran a pub, so it may be from that. Mm. Um, but it's, it's just always been something that I've known that I want to do. And I've always said, you know, at some point I will run my own business. Now, you know, it's always been in the future. It's always been kind of you know, a few steps One day away. you'll do it. Mm. And, and when you were at university, was it something that, that popped up at any time when you were studying? Um, not so much, to be honest. And that was probably, I think, because I was so busy, probably the only time where I didn't start running my own business <laughs> or didn't kind of come up with a, um, a plan necessarily. Um, no, so it wasn't so much at university, um, but it was something that kind of I was thinking of throughout my childhood. And then after university, there was always... You know, within my jobs, there was always um, you know, something that I could do as a as a side hustle. Um, that actually, never came to fruition for a very long time. There've been a lot of business plans on, on bits of paper. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I know from painful experience, my my own experience of of having a being in a career that I realised wasn't right for me, which for me was was studying in medicine. What was the moment in in banking when you knew it wasn't you and it wasn't your future? Mm. Um, I think I probably knew the whole way through, to be honest, um, but didn't really see, um, didn't really see an alternative and didn't necessarily see that the kind of more creative fashion world that I kind of ended up in was, was really a business. Um, and I think there are a few moments within banking where I kind of look back and think they were probably the moments that I really knew. Um, it was quite a traditional environment. And I know banking's changed since then. Um, but at the time, it was quite male dominated. And um, I remember I had three suits and they were all kind of various shades of grey. <laughs> and as someone who loves fashion and who's grown up loving fashion um, with quite a sort of family who, who love colour and um, I do remember one morning putting on my my kind of mid grey suit um, and just thinking, oh my, you know, this just isn't me. It's just not me. I don't feel like myself um, on many levels, not just the level of kind of what I'm wearing, but just the kind of the conversations that I was was having um, and the environment that I was in. It just didn't feel like me instinctively, I'd say. And I, I talked to quite a lot of people who are in that place where they the way I articulate it is um, something's not right and I don't necessarily know what, and I certainly don't know what to do about it, but I feel very strongly that something's not right. And I think mm. I hear that coming through in the way you're, you're describing, you're putting on that suit going, this isn't, this isn't what I should be wearing, but I don't necessarily know what, what I do next. So mm. how, how did you transition from, from that point to I'm going to leave and do something different with, with my life? And where, where did you go next? Hmm. Um, so I got to the point in banking where I knew that I wanted to leave. Um, and so there was more of a sort of push factor um, at that stage than a sort of clear pull towards something else. Um, I had a mentor in the HR director, so he was very sort of supportive. I had quite a frank conversation. We started talking about various ideas. And actually, it was him that sort of said, look, you know, I was saying, you know, how much I've loved fashion and how much I love designing as a child. It was him that said, have you thought about going into fashion? Um, and actually, there was an opportunity to take redundancy. So him knowing that I wanted, wanted to leave actually was very supportive and helpful in, in kind of putting me on that list. 
Um, and that gave me the opportunity then to take some time out and get a bit of work experience um, and start to sort of build contacts. Um, and I was just very lucky in that the right job came up um, at the right time. So there was a, a strategy role um, that came up within um, the umbrella organization of, um, of some, some major women's um, high street retailers. Um, and yeah, applied for it, got it. And that was a whole new world really that opened up for me. Um, and how quickly did you know that that was a better fit for you? Oh, immediately. I would say the, the day I walked in, um, I was surrounded. I, you know, in fact, probably at my interview, I remember being shown around at my interview and I was walking around an office that was full of rails of clothing and shoes and, um, yeah, for someone who loves that and who, you know, gets a lot of energy um, and is very passionate about that, um, that just felt like the environment for me. It was it was like a kind of polar opposite of the, the sort of slightly grey banking world that was at the time. And, and you, you spent a few years then in, in that kind of world and you, and you morphed into this deep expert in the sort of digital customer experience, I know, and that's, that's how, how we met and worked together. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about about where your interest and your focus morphed to in, in your corporate roles over, mm. over that period of your career? Yeah, so I went in as a um, in a strategic role and this was before digital really took off. So um, digital was very new um, for in, in fashion retail and I um, worked with the teams to set up a whole new, you know, the first website that they had. Um, and I think at the time, um, I remember having a conversation because I had a real sense that I wanted to get closer to customers and customer experience and user experience weren't a thing either then. There was customer service, um, but that was as close as it got. Um, so I had a real sense that I wanted to get closer to understanding the customer and producing something for them. And at the time, I think I thought that that was producing the clothing for them. Um, uh, and I remember having a conversation and said, oh, you know, I really want to move into the buying the design side and was absolutely shut down and told, you know, you don't, you know, the two are completely separate paths. You haven't started out on the right path. You know, you've started out on a corporate path, a strategic path, um, you know, not the sort of buying design creative side. Um, so I think as digital kind of emerged um, as, as a sort of area of expertise, so did user experience and customer experience. And Within that, I think I saw the opportunity to be creative, to create something new. And I think that's obviously what it's, it's all about, is about kind of improving the experience, creating new experiences for the customer, really understanding the customer and what, um, what they want. Um, and then creating, you know, it might not be creating a product, but it's actually creating um, an experience, a way of engaging. Um, it's kind of cr you know, creating the product in the wider sense, the broader sense of, you know, it's still a part of the business. Um, and so and that's I, where I think I kind of fulfilled the sort of creative need yeah. at that time. And I know you know that I'm, I'm very passionate about this way of thinking about who is the customer, what's their experience today, and and how are they interfacing and, and, and experiencing your brand and, and and the journey that you're going on and all of those kinds of things. And, and you know, I notice a lot with, with organizations of all types that they're very focused on what they're doing and then at some point there's a user who experiences it, mm. but turning it around so it's real customers. It, it was sort of no surprise to me when, I remember you you first told me about this brand that you were developing yourself. Um, uh, and in it, it, I think it fit your way of thinking 
very much because you were one of the people in the room who was saying, remember that there's real people on the end of this. Mm. Um, and you've got to think about the, the, the journey and the experience that, that they're having. And mm. you're always very tuned into that. So, so bring me through to, you know, the origin of what's now become 11 Loves. Where did that start? Um, so I think it probably started when I was on maternity leave. Um, and in the same way that putting on a, a kind of mid-grey suit when I was in banking felt wrong to me and didn't feel like I was myself. Um, I think the kind of the mum uniform in inverted commas um, of, you know, you haven't got time to, to think about your outfit in the way I might have done when I was working in, in fashion. Um, you threw on the first pair of jeans and sweater that you, you could. Um, and I think to me at the time, I had a real sense of, you know, there aren't many things in my in my day-to-day wardrobe that make me feel special um, in the same way that I might feel when I get dressed up to go to work. Um, and that felt like, you know, I didn't necessarily at the time think that was a massive gap in the market, but it just felt like, you know, there's actually, there's an opportunity, there's something that, you know, it would just be nice if there was something that I could wear that, you know, I could still wear running around with the kids and I wasn't worried about, you know, not being able, being able to sort of crawl around in the soft play or, you know, all of those things that, that mums find themselves doing, um, but still felt like me and still felt like I was kind of expressing myself and still felt special. Um, so that's, I think, when I probably first started um, thinking about it. But I would say at the time, um, you know, starting a business still felt far off. It still felt comfortable to me to write the business plan and, and think about it at that level. Um, but there was always a reason why I couldn't actually turn it into an actual thing. So um, be that we don't have enough time, um, you know, we need more financial stability. I don't know enough. Um, you know, it's, it's quite scary starting a business when you don't feel like you know absolutely everything about all of the different roles involved in that business. Um, so there's definitely that. Um, the economic environment's not right. So there's always a reason why. I will do this, but not now. I'll do it in three years' time or five years' time. So you're still in your stone hedgehog mode. Yes. Where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where where it's a it's a great idea and wouldn't it be lovely if? Um, yes. So we're here because we're talking about unlock moments and, and these are these sort of flashes of clarity when you figure out the path ahead. So so talk me through what happened next for you. Mm. Um so it was actually quite a a negative, um, a, a big negative experience in my life that actually um, was my unlock moment. Um, so I'm um, married to Ben. We've been um, married for a long time. I never remember quite how many years, but a long time. He started to experience um, sort of various symptoms, went to the doctor. We had a lot of toing and froing with the doctor. Um, and actually looking back, they were all the, the symptoms that you'd associate um, with with cancer with bowel cancer but none of them were particularly taken seriously because he was 40 and fit and healthy on the surface um to cut a long story short it turns out it was actually bowel cancer um we were told um he, he was sent for a colonoscopy um eventually and came out of that and we were told straight away that it looked like it was cancer um, at which point things moved very quickly I think because it had kind of been left for quite a long time despite you know all of the symptoms um, and eventually we realized that it had spread so it had spread past his bowel it was um, in his lymph nodes so it was stage three effectively um, luckily it hadn't spread further than that 
but that was a huge turning point I would say um mm. in obviously in his life mm. but in my life as well seeing that happen to somebody that you love um yeah. and I think at that point my perspective on life changed completely um and there were you know this this idea of you know, there's always time um completely changed because it really brought clarity to the fact that there's not always time um and all of these things that you want to do actually you just need to get on and do them there's never going to be a perfect moment to to do whatever it is you want to do um you know she thought right I've just got to get on and do things we both wanted to run a marathon and we also both ended up running a marathon the year after as well to, so as he finished his treatment so it was you know it wasn't just the business there were other things that we wanted to do as well but it made me think that I just needed to start something um and right. you know the environment and the situation definitely didn't need to be perfect to do that and it absolutely wasn't you know it was, it was couldn't have been less perfect in hindsight starting a, a business as you were, you know your husband's about to embark on a year of chemo and you've got two young children to look after and a lot of uncertainty but actually I think that's yeah, as I say that changed our perspective and just made me think I've just got to do something now and how old were your children at the time uh they were um uh four and seven at the time yeah so young yeah, yeah. yeah. and did they understand what was going on they did yeah we I mean t- you know, as much as you can when you're four but yeah. we explained to them um what was going on um I I did a powerpoint presentation Gary uh, <laughs> so we we presented it to them on the big screen um to try to with you know with cartoon characters and all um so yes they, I, I just didn't feel that we could hide um hide it from them and you know my husband went had to have a big operation and was in hospital for quite a while so um so they did understand and they were um they were incredible throughout the whole thing um but yes and and we'll come back into the 11 love story but but ben now is 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 okay isn't he yes actually he's just had um his five so you, you get a sort of you're closely monitored for five years afterwards and um just last week he had his final scan and um was told he's effectively cured um that's fantastic yeah, he'll, news. He'll always be kind of monitored probably a bit more closely than the average person. But yes, he's he's all well. Yeah. Thank you. That's really good news. No? I mean, you know, you can't imagine a, a more significant sort of uh, shot life event, at, particularly at that stage of life, you know, for, for somebody that, as you say, is fit and well and 40 and sporty. Um, and so the two of you, I mean, you know, you starting a, a business of your own that that's that's not just a you decision that's a that's an that's a whole family decision mm. so how did you how did you talk about it together in terms of what that was going to mean for you do you know how how did that sort of follow through yeah I mean I think we I think the sense of we just need to get on and do things was so strong that all of the you know what does this actually mean in terms of the impact on the on the family wasn't really a consideration at the time and it's probably that's probably the only reason why we started it because actually if I think if I had thought through the impact um you know I I obviously it was a side hustle I had a day job so you know that's a lot of time um to spend on top of looking after two children um Ben is very involved um he has a day job as well he was going through treatment at the time but he was still packing parcels (laughs) and still does um you know so I think 
we didn't necessarily discuss the long term because I think discussing the long term had been, always been the thing that stopped me just going for it and getting on with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it has had a big impact, but a positive one, I think. I think it's nice yeah. for the, the children to, um, yeah, to see what you can do. And that's interesting that, that, that there's, there's a lot of merit in planning and thinking through what it's going to mean and running your spreadsheets and building your, building your details, Gantt charts and all of that. But there's also some merit in not getting so hung up on that, that it never happens mm. um, and getting going. And, and, and I hear that balance in, in what you're describing now, which is a bit of an entrepreneur skill, actually. There's, there's entrepreneurs who don't do enough forward planning and end up sinking a lot of money into something that can never succeed. And then there's a lot of others that are still on stone hedgehogs now mm. and, and and they've just never started that that business. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to grab the stone hedgehogs metaphor for all my future coaches. That'll be the headline. Um, so so bring to life a little bit um, the the essence of the brand and what it was that, that you, you created. Mm. Um, so I wanted to create a brand that was about um, everyday wear but making women feel special um, in what they were wearing every day. So um, I wanted to create a brand that was um, was practical, that you didn't feel like you needed to say for best, but still felt like there was something about it that expressed you, that expressed some personality that made you feel like, you know, you was what you were wearing, despite the fact that you were wearing it running around the soft play or the park was still special. Um, so that's, that's a core kind of element of the brand. And I think... Um, the other thing that has been a kind of non-negotiable throughout is um, ethics and sustainability. And I think I, I spent a long time um, when I was working in high street retail looking at, at that and really sort of getting to into the detail of um, how factories work and how clothes are made and the practices around that and how workers are treated. And I think that was something that from the very start I knew that if I was to create a clothing brand, it needed to be ethical and it needed to be sustainable. And whether that means that, you know, I I spend a lot more on my product because it's organic cotton, um, that's something that I, you know, will never change. You know, I will always aim to use sustainable fabrics to ensure that whatever factories that I'm working with are audited to the highest standards. Uh, so that's always been, been core to the brand as well. Um, and I think the third thing is, is kind of making it personal. So I love the whole small business space. I think there's an amazing small business community, um, particularly through Instagram. And I think people buy people and whatever happens with the brand in the future, I, you know, I love the fact that I talk to my customers and I, you know, going back to my kind of background in customer experience, I love knowing what they think. I love hearing the good and the bad from them. I love getting their input into, you know, what colours I go for or what patterns or, you know, design features. Um, so I want it to, to sort of stay like that. I want it to feel like a small business, whatever happens with it in the future. I really love that. And something I know we've talked about before, uh, you know, you're a reluctant uh, catwalk model, um, but I know that it's 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 been important to you to to be personally present on on your Instagram feed, modeling modeling your own clothes, and that plays to that its personal piece. Mm. So tell me tell me about what it felt like the first time you were out there in front of camera with with you know modeling your own clothes on Instagram. Had, <laughs> what, what was that like? Um, I will never. I don't think I will ever be comfortable um, with that. I my my photo pose is kind of 
completely upright with my hands by my side. I'm, you know, I'm not a natural. Going back to the point, you know, at school, I can act, I can't dance. I'm not, I'm not comfortable in front of a camera, Gary. Um, but as you say, it's, I, I feel like it's very important and I feel like people want to see the person behind the brand. Um, so I've just got used to it. And I, you know, I, the first few times I made myself do it. Um, and now actually I do enjoy the process. I enjoy thinking through how I can show the, the product. I don't necessarily still um, enjoy being the model, but I like, um, you know, I like showing people how you could put things together and how you can wear things and, and making that fun as well. I think, you know, there's a whole lot of fun um, in Instagram, particularly in the kind of reels and videos. So, I, you know, and that's a big part of the brand is fun and feel good. And, you know, I sort of try to bring that all um, into the into the reels and videos I produce. And, and we'll put the link in the show notes. But I think I, I know that people, when they go and look at the Instagram feed, they'll pick up on that real humanity of the brand, that it's that it's that it's it's real people and real clothes that you can go and wear. And I really love that because there's so much that, that is uh, sort of overplayed in terms of fashion um, where it's all a little bit inaccessible mm. and and sort of glamorous to the point of you wouldn't actually go and wear it. Mm. And I really like brands that you know you're talking about the ethical and sustainable angle it's really important because people really care about it mm. and and i think that comes through really strongly in, in in what you've done so something that i'm really interested to to hear about is the practicalities of running a side hustle fashion business because most people they're in the stone hedgehog mode and they go well you know i do like the idea of one day being you know ben francis of gymshark or whatever it is um, but they don't think about the bit in between where you're at your kitchen table packing boxes and, and posting them off and all of that. So what does it look like in, in your home to be running your own fashion brand? You know, like practically, what, what kind of things are you actually doing? Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of boxes in my home at the moment. I'm. Um, we had a delivery earlier this week, actually, which has slightly tipped us over the edge. So we already had um, our spare room full of boxes. Um, and part of my bedroom and now we've got we've got downstairs and the upstairs hall so I am looking now at outsourcing distribution because it's reached that point where we can't <laughs> we just can't live surrounded by boxes anymore um, but in terms of the sort of day-to-day -day, there is a lot of, of you know we do everything you know I do everything and then Ben in his spare time um, does all of the packing um, but day-to-day -day, there's a lot of um, a lot of packing um, there's a lot of samples around, so I'm surrounded by things that I'm working on. Um, and, you know, I do a lot of buying um, products that I like and thinking, how can I change that? How could I make that better? Um, so there's a lot of, of kind of samples and things that I'm halfway through working on um, around me. There's lots of fabrics around me. Um, I spend a lot of time talking to customers. So um, spend my evenings, you know, I might be sitting with the kids with the TV on, but I'll also be you know, chatting to customers and answering queries and, you know, giving them, you know, I'll be watching the television and measuring the the, the waste of the new jeans. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of learning actually as well, because my, my background isn't the product side of things. And as you start to sort of move into more technical areas, you know, you need to understand how a product's formed and put together um, so I'm working with some, you know, some experts um, in all the right areas. So there's a lot of learning, which I'm loving um, as well. But it is, yeah, it, it's varied. And then we, we won't mention the kind of accounts and the tech support. Because <laughs> well, really I, I, 
But I come back to the the authenticity piece. You know, you're at a stage where you've got your website, you've got a, a range, you've been going for years, you've got 35,000 Instagram followers. Um, and when a customer's reaching out, they're talking to you, the founder of the brand, mm. you know, and that won't be the case forever, I'm sure, as it, as it continues to scale and continues to grow. Um, but there's something really authentic about, you know, it's still you and and you want to be the person that's there directly in touch with the person who's buying your your products and engaging with everything you've created. So I, I really like that that coming through. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's important, uh, you know, to find a way of doing that, however big the business um, gets or, or not. So I think that's really key. And I, I know in the last few months or so you've 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 been thinking through and, and working through some really significant changes in terms of things like the brand and your your time and your involvement so what's happened most recently in terms of you know how how it's all been developing mm. um so the first first big thing is that um we've rebranded so the brand actually started out um being called love sweat and tease um and i remember at the time i was chatting to someone when i was trying to think of names and she said but doesn't that just limit you to sweaters and t-shirts? Because that's that's what we started as. It was all um, sort of printed sweaters and t-shirts. And I remember saying at the time, no, because that's all I'll ever do. It's you know, it's only ever going to be a hobby. It's you know, um, and I got to the stage where I wanted to expand into other product areas, um, still keeping to the sort of everyday style theme. But Love, Sweat and Tease didn't really work as a brand name anymore. And so um, we decided to rebrand. Um, it was the complete opposite of any other rebrand I've ever worked on in my corporate life, um, which would typically take, you know, six months to a year um, and involve lots of PowerPoint presentations and um, and also. So I went for a um, walk on a Friday, was chatting to Ben and said you know I really think I should have rebranded I should have renamed the business he said well you, you know just do it I was starting to do more PR and going out um, to newspapers and I thought well actually it's now or never really because I don't want to rebrand after after that so um, we went for a walk on the Friday and then by the following Wednesday I'd completely rebranded I got a new name um, a new um, website or web domain um a new logo uh so it was it was the fastest rebrand that I've ever done um but that's one of the lovely things about a small business um and running your own business that you know I you know I obviously went out and spoke to people and spoke to friends and family and said you know is this is this right does this sound okay um but yeah it, it's good just to be able to get on and do things yeah and what does 11 loves mean where does that where did it actually come from um, so the loves bit, I wanted to kind of retain the connection to love, sweat and tea. So I was trying to sort of keep um, the love in there somewhere. Um, and then the 11 comes from the fact that I sold my very first piece on the 11th of November um, back in 2017. So, um, so, yeah, that's kind of part of the story. And that's where the 11 comes from. Oh, fantastic. So when you think back about all these elements of the journey. What have you learned about yourself, having having gone on that journey with Eleven Loves? Um, so a couple of things. I think having kind of gone through my school life, thinking I'm not creative, and you know that's I'm sort of not allowed to sort of work in that area or comment in that area. I've actually realised that I am creative. I might not be practically creative in that, you know, I can't. I don't sit there and sketch designs, but I can 
you know, I have a good creative eye. Um, so I think I've gradually grown in confidence and realized actually, you know, I've created something, I've put it together um, and people want to buy it. And not only are people buying it, but they're coming back and saying how much they love it and that their friends have noticed and commented on it. So I think, you know, I've realized that about myself. Um, and I think, you know, you really shouldn't write off you know, elements of your own capabilities that, that easily. Um, I think I've also learned that actually just getting on and doing things is the best way. And there's, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect. But actually, I think as a planner, I'm, I'm naturally a planner um, and a sort of strategizer. Um, sometimes it's kind of bringing out the doer. And just getting on and doing and learning that way and you know you're never going to get it get it right 100% of the time there will always be things that don't work and that fall flat actually growing a business that way um, it feels like you probably end up with something that's that's sort of more true and more real because you've learned um, from real customers rather than from books or you know bits of paper or plans or models um so I think just doing as well is my my big learning and what is it do you think that that makes you feel a little bit like you're writing off your capabilities as you, you describe so why, why is it that there's this kind of voice in your head you know that that's that's questioning you a little bit mm. along this journey because clearly you've demonstrated that you're able to and have you know launched and grown you know, significant fashion brand in, in your merit. So, so there's not a question of capability, but there's something in us all. And I'm interested, you know, if you to just bring that to life for you, the thing that that voice that says, you know, but what if you can't? Mm. Um, I think the idea of, of kind of um, being creative has changed. So I know when I was at school, there were, it was almost if you can't draw and you can't act and you can't dance and you can't sing, then therefore that's, you know, your, your, you're in this bucket, you're not in that bucket. And so I think, you know, a lot of these things comes back to what you've been told and not necessarily questioned because you're too young to question it and you're being told that by, you know, by your teacher. Um, so I think there's, there's that. Um, I don't know. I guess we're all, as you say, everyone has self-doubt, don't they? And everyone has sort of things that they have assumed about themselves that they've picked up over their life, whether that's from sort of things that have happened or, um, you know, just, just messages that are filtered through. Uh, and does it ever leave you? I mean, even as you have objective evidence from, from your, your business continuing to grow and, and, and do well and build that, that sort of nagging voice in your head, does it, does it change or not particularly? No, but I think you can kind of harness that, for the good so I am incredibly critical of whatever I produce but actually that's a good thing because I don't you know I've gone through that process of picking it to pieces we've just produced a jumpsuit um, which has taken me a year and I think I've driven everyone mad in the process because I'm on I was on sample eight by the time I said actually that's right um but you know I'd get the sample and say oh no I think that you know the sleeves are too big or the legs are too narrow or the shoulders are too puffy um so I think actually me being quite critical is a good thing for that because I've gone through that process for the customer so that by the time the product reaches the customer, it's in my eyes, it's right and it's it's perfect. Um, and I think if I wasn't quite so 
you know, self-doubting and critical, then the product wouldn't be quite as good. And, and when it is right, and you receive that first box of the of the new product, the new you know whatever it is that's coming through, and you hold that for the first time, how does it feel now? Um, it feels amazing, actually. Yeah, and I still can't quite believe it. I think when I get it and I put it on, I think, wow, this is like, this is mine. This has come from me. Um, you know, and the 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 experts that have supported me along the way um and they you know they deserve an awful lot of credit but yeah it's amazing and it just it doesn't feel like a job it feels like it's you know it still feels like my hobby even though I have just handed in my notice to my day job and I it you know it is my job now um this is my living um it doesn't feel like a job it you know it feels like just being able to do that is a yeah it's a real joy that's amazing and 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 I, I spoke to another interviewee on an earlier episode of the Unlocked Moment, a guy called Michael Lawrence, who was talking about that same thing, where he said, you know, imagine you get to do every day the thing that you love more than anything else. And he said, that's what my day job feels like to me now. Mm. He's going through that same journey of having quit a big corporate role to do something that at the moment earns a lot less money and, you know, puts him in some ways under more risk. So when you're thinking now, you said you you know you've you've handed in your notice on your on your day job to take this full time. How does that feel in terms of you know your eggs are in one basket now? Yeah, in, in I mean I'm definitely feeling the fear um, in that there isn't that financial um, sort of fallback. It this needs to pay me. Um, you know it, it's it's not a hobby anymore. Um, so I think I'm definitely feeling the fear, but it is liberating to be able to fully concentrate on something and not have your mind in so many different places. Um, I think it makes me even more sort of focused on getting things right from a product perspective because you know I need to be more commercial. Um, and while I still, you know, I still trial things and risk things because I think you know you have to and sometimes I design something I think "Mm, not sure this is my customer and then I launch it and people love it and so I love having that kind of marmite piece in the collection um but it is making me even more commercial and even more sort of focused on you know doing things right um and getting them right for the customer so you're all in both both feet what's the next year ahead got for you do you think um so definitely expanding the range so retaining the focus on um everyday wear but expanding um so we've already expanded beyond sweaters and t-shirts we now do um knitwear um which is recycled cashmere we do eco denim so i've got um jeans and a jumpsuit live i've got some um shorts coming um for summer we're looking at dresses and um organic cotton blouses and then it's beyond that so I'm um I'm already starting to think about um winter as you do so um I think it's looking at becoming even more sustainable and even more ethical and I'm really interested in um kind of emerging fabrics and emerging processes and emerging technology um that you know will create even more ethical and, and even more sustainable garments. So I think that's a big theme for us. Um, and continuing to talk to the customers, I think because my time has been a bit constrained because of the day job, um, you know, I've 
I talk to customers all the time, but I want to do more of that. So I'd really like to get out there and, you know, meet customers face to face and maybe do some roadshows and um, pop ups and that sort of thing as well. So they're all in plan for this year. Fantastic. And where can people find out more about you and about the 11 Loves brand and where can they find your products? Um, So the website is 11loves.co.uk and we're on Instagram. So um, you can hear from me, but also from um, customers as well. So I share a lot of customer content on Instagram um, because I do think that's the most powerful way I can tell people all day long that you know these these products are beautifully made and and great quality but actually I think it's hearing from my customers um that you know really brings the brand to life and really gets people to sort of understand what we're all about so um so yes you can find me on Instagram doing silly reels (laughs) and walking (laughs) up and down (laughs) yes Hayley thank you so much the unlock moment is that flash of remarkable clarity when you suddenly know the right path ahead For Hayley, it was the journey with her husband and family through cancer diagnosis and treatment that gave her the clarity that life is short and that the drive to turn her entrepreneurial dream into reality. Eleven Loves is a fantastic, sustainable fashion brand. And please go check it out on the web and social media. It's such a moving story. I'm so grateful for Hayley for coming on today with such openness, honesty and authenticity to share it with all of you. I'm sure Eleven Loves is going to go from strength to strength over the coming months and years. Haley, thank you so much for joining me on the Unlock Moment. Thank you. This has been the Unlock Moment, a podcast with me, Dr. Gary Crotez. Thank you for listening in. You can find out more about how to figure out what you want and how to get it in my book, The Idea Mindset, available in physical book, ebook, and audiobook formats. Follow me on Instagram and subscribe to this podcast to get notified about future episodes. Join me again soon.